creativity cocktail here. It's 2020. Our goal is to have, as, as we had in 2019, to have some amazing creators from all over the world join us. Our guest today is a person that has got so many fantastic and wonderful things that are happening from a creative perspective. I met her when we were all part of a group where we were advocating for a more stronger uh, creative presence here in Atlanta. And since then, I've seen her, I've seen her stage play. She's got a book. She's got film. She's done so many amazing things. And on top of that, she's from my hometown of New York. And so I'm so thrilled and excited to have Nas Panky join us today. So Nas, say what's up to everybody. What's up, everybody? And it is an honor and a pleasure to be on your show. And thank you for giving me a voice. Yeah, thank you so much, oh, Nas. A voice of, well, giving me a voice, even like a platform on your show. Thank you so much. It's fantastic. Nas and I were, I think, if I recall, a couple of years ago, we were at the Atlanta Black Theater Festival, and we had both finished watching one of our colleagues do an amazing show. And as an aside, you know how you talk after the show and that kind of thing. I remember you and I having this conversation. It must have lasted like 15, 20 minutes about this particular topic and about making sure that we as human beings really unleash our creativity. So... So Naz, I'm gonna kick it off with this question. When you are ready to get to produce or create something that's creative, tell the audience here that's listening, and, and quite frankly, there are people listening to us from Brazil and from the Netherlands and from the United States. Tell us about some of the things you do to get yourself ready to be creative. Uh, well, first off, I, I must believe in the project. I must have passion for the project because that is what drives us to do things uh, with excellence. So that's the first thing, just really believing in the project, really believing in the message, and then um, just getting my heart in the right place. Because I think when whatever you do, when you do it from the heart and you do it with excitement, that's when other people can feel it and can relate to it. And I believe that is the purpose of art. Uh, one thing that I learned in college from a professor, she passed away. She was amazing. Um, her name is Professor Stacey Abrams. But one thing I learned from her is a good work of art is based upon the consensus of the people. So when we create art, rather it be writing, uh, you know, uh, producing a film, cinematography, acting, singing, whatever we do as artists, we are doing it not just for ourselves, but for our listeners, for the people. So I, I believe that whatever we do, we need to be passionate about it. So that's the first thing I do is I make sure that whatever it is I'm doing, I'm passionate about it. And then I want to consider everybody that is a part of it. I, I want for everyone to have a great experience. If you hear a train uh, in the background, that's what that is in my background. It's a train going by. I'm not sure if that'll be picked up on the podcast. But we, we, don't, I want we don't hear that. We hear. Have... We just hear your powerful voice. That's all we hear. Oh, so. wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> I want everyone, I know one thing, see, and that's the filmmaker in me, because a lot of times when we film something, and if we're filming and we have the sound connected, and you hear something and we don't see it, 
is is bad film. So I just like to always, just in case someone hears that train that's in the background here on my side. But yeah, just you know, I make sure everyone has, it, it, it has a great experience, and I try to get everyone else passionate about the project as well, uh, explaining the meaning, the purpose, and the overall outcome of the project. And that's what I do. So as a writer, I visualize the story. I visualize my characters. I visualize their story, their backstory, what did they go through to make for them to make decisions that they're making in this in the story that I'm creating. And I visualize it, I see it, and I want to bring them to life on the paper. And I find that I do that. Other people who read it, they can actually visualize and feel it as well. It's more powerful than me just sitting down and just writing the story or just doing something just to do it. So that's my process, you know, just really bringing myself to that place and bringing myself in the story. Rather it be um, directing a movie or producing a movie, writing a movie, that's my process. It, It must have purpose and passion behind it. You know, you shared something about the visual nature of um, creating, and you shared with me, and I'm I'm so thankful to this. One of the stories that you were crafting about you growing up, um, and as someone who spent the first few years of my life in Brooklyn, you know, um, living in um, living in you know in Crown Heights and in Flatbush and those areas, um, and I believe this was based on partly of your life, it was so visually impactful to me. Can you tell the the audience here a couple of things that that you're working on now and how they how they're you know, how they came about? Yeah, um so I grew up in the South Bronx, uh had a phenomenal mother. She was a single mother of three kids. We had different dads. They were all pretty much an issue with each one, whereas she was about trying to raise three kids on her own. And we're talking about the late 70s, you know, well, mid to late 70s, early 80s, when times were really hard, especially on black people, let's just say it. And we were all kind of like stuck in this, stuck, I want to say stuck in this one area, which was called the South Bronx, and struggling. And my mother was in a horrible car accident. She almost lost her life. And from there, she was uh, got hooked on drugs. And it's like my whole life turned upside down. It wasn't easy. But as a kid, we don't know whether we have a rich life or a poor life. We just know we have love. Let's just be honest. Uh, But that love was lost when she got uh, hooked on drugs. And my life became very hard, I would say, from the age seven going forward. So we have, you know, a lot of things that happened to me. Um, sexual abuse, witnessing a lot of domestic uh, violence, uh, verbal abuse, being bullied, having to fight my way through school, child abuse, um, uh, um, uh, uh, forced to care. A lot of things that I had to overcome, that I went through that I had to overcome, but I did not overcome it. I just kind of time passed. You know, which, right. which which is what happens with a lot of us who go through a hard or a difficult time. We go through stuff, su- and time just passed. You survived it. And it's like, okay. You survived uh, it, right? You survived it. You, you, you survived it, but yeah. you didn't overcome it. Yeah. Because, you know, those things that you see, those traumas, sometimes you need uh, help, rather it be deliverance, counseling, whatever it is, you need to actually go back and deal with those traumas because what it is, is learned beliefs. Is you see something and that's what you've seen, so that's sometimes what you do. Or you hear something and that's what you believe, so that's what you kind of 
uh, 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 portray and, and, and that's how you carry yourself based on what you've been told or what you've seen or what you grew up in and it's really not the healing the healing is not there so I was a person who I did yet I survived that but I wasn't I had not I wasn't um, free mentally I wasn't free emotionally mm-hmm. uh, so how my story came about is I was one day I, I was very suicidal I just didn't see why I wanted to live my life kind of turned out a whole lot like my mother's whereas I was you know two kids two different fathers both the fathers were really not playing a part in my in my son's life I found myself by myself and wondering what is life worth worth um, fighting for uh, one of the biggest tragedies that happened to me was not really being able to read. I could read, but it was only on the third grade level. And I had oh, hold carried on, that. Hold on for a second. Me. Hold on for a second. You, a phenomenal writer, okay. a phenomenal Thank writer, you. written all of these things. You're saying that you were functionally illiterate for a period of time? Yeah, so I was an adult. I was an adult. And I carried wow. that uh, with me because I firm, I believe, and I, I don't even believe it, I know it. I know people that are in their 70s and they can't read right now. Uh, I know you, it's intelligence, being smart and being intelligent is two different things. Right. Period. You know, a person that's intelligent, that's great. A person that's smart, you can put them in the middle of nowhere and they'll survive. You know, so being smart and being intelligent is two different things. And I was always very smart, uh, but I did not have book sense. To this day, I have a whole gap in my education that's missing, that my children have come come home and I've learned a lot from my son because I did not go to school as a kid. I had to stay home and take care of my sibling. Right. My mother was on drugs and I kept that a secret and my, my goal as a kid, my objective, you know, as we write screenplays and stuff, we always have give our characters screenplays, play, write all of that, we give our characters an objective, a goal, a want. My goal was to keep my family together. So therefore that meant not going to school. That meant staying home with the children and and that's what I did so that was one of the biggest tragedies that happened to me is uh not really knowing how to read being borderline illiterate and feeling like I was hopeless not knowing what my passion was not knowing what I wanted to do in life who I wanted to be you know I was over 30 years old and I had no idea that I wanted to be a writer or a filmmaker because I just was not educated and uh yeah so and 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 the and the crazy thing is I made it all the way through high school like they passed me all the way through and this is what they did during that time and I don't think people understand that as well during that time they just passed kids through (laughs) so I I was just yeah I I made I have I have my my transcripts I have all my paperwork I have all the days that I missed school everything is on there I have that I all through struggles with reading struggles with but they just passed me all the way through you know so I actually have a high school diploma Hmm. Uh, I have high high school diploma, and uh, I had went to go and enroll in college, and this is what started me writing in my book. When I went to enroll in college, the counselor was taken aback. He 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 didn't know what to do. He said, "I've never seen anything like this in my life." He said, "Your reading is on a second or third grade level." Hmm. You know, and he was looking at my transcripts, and he you know he saw that I that I you know I had so many days and I made it through or whatever and he says well he says well you qualified to get in college they're about to put you in the lowest level of remedial reading well they had three levels and I started at the lowest level so it took me six years to graduate from a two-year college because I had to learn to read and the first book that I read I think I was about 32 years old when I read my first book 
Mm-hmm. That, uh, and I read Fly, uh, Flowers for Algernon. That was the first book I read. The second book I read was Make Me, Make Me Wanna Holler. And as I was taking those remedial reading classes, I started writing my book. And I was finding myself in college, realizing I love to write. I would take all these unnecessary writing courses, you know, and creative writing and screenwriting. And, you know, eventually I began to write for the college paper. And I loved uh, the college, you know, the college newspaper. And And my professor, he used to write, one of my professors wrote for the New York Times. So he would always check everything and and tell me, okay, go back and change this and do this. And I loved every time he sent me to go back and edit and change something, everyone would be fussing, but I loved it. I loved going to the writing lab. And uh, I was, at the time, thinking about studying to be a nurse and realized I don't want to be a nurse. I never knew what I wanted to be. So I would right. let people tell me what to be. And I said, no, oh, I don't want to be a nurse. I love writing. And I just got into writing and film and television. So my degree is in media studies and television production. Because uh, that's what I love, but I found that after I found, after I started reading, and, and that's where I found my love for writing. Wow, I tell you, and, and passion for that. You shared yeah. some of your 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 path before in your life's journey, and every time I talk to you, I hear uh, another bit of it that I didn't hear before. You are so unbelievably um, inspiring, um, you know, you. to to me and to anyone who's listening. And your your book itself, tell us a little bit about the book. Uh, yeah, so my book is a memoir about my childhood, and that was one of the, that's when I began to heal. I was very angry in college. I was always a violent, very violent person. I grew up in the South Bronx. I grew up having to fight. I grew up with, you know, very few words. We use our fists, and that shit that nowadays is guns. But when I grew up, it was, you know, we're going to use our fists and fight, you know, yeah. and... So that's how I knew how to deal with stuff and handle things. And I remember one day in college, I was waiting for a parking space. Because, you know, when school first starts, everybody shows up. And right. I first was day. the mess up. That's everybody right. drops their classes. Yeah, so, you know, <laughs> no parking spaces. <laughs> and I was, I was outside waiting for a parking space. And here I am, this grown woman with two kids in college, uh, waiting for a parking space and nothing. And I'm looking at all the millennials walk by, and I was just was looking at them, and I couldn't stand them for whatever reason. They did nothing to me. I was just like, they have confidence. They have self-confidence. And I took that as conceit, being conceited. <laughs> Stuck up, you know, at that time. And I'm waiting on a parking space, and, one, and so somebody pulled out, and a millennial pulled into the space. And I got out of my car. I left it running. I was calling her every ugly derogatory name under the sun. I told her, get out the car. I wanted to fight her. Oh, it was terrible. And she thought I was crazy. She didn't even look at me. She started her car and backed up out the space and went someplace else, you know, and I parked my car. Uh, But anyway, I saw this young lady later on and I felt convicted because I had just went to church the day before. This was on a Monday. I had just went to church on a Sunday. And so I felt horrible. And yeah, I felt horrible. So I went to apologize to this young lady, and she looked at me. And you won't believe what she said. She said to me, Miss, she said, I didn't even see you. And when she said that, that was a moment for me when I realized that something was wrong with me. It wasn't all the beautiful 
young millennials who had confidence and high self-esteem. It was me. And I realized it. I, I saw myself. And I remember going for a walk thinking, why am I here at this college with these young kids? And I, school's never been for me. I didn't know how to even adjust to being in a school. Uh, and I just remember praying. I had such so such low self-esteem. I told you I was very suicidal. You know, um, the reason why I didn't kill myself is because I had two sons who needed me. And I was like, if I go, who's going to take care of my kids? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had to find self-love. Well, how do you do that? How do you find self-love? You know, um, it, it was so bad for, for me where even when guys or would admire me and tell me I was beautiful or gorgeous, I couldn't accept that. It made me feel uncomfortable. I didn't like anyone to give me a compliment or look at me or find me attractive because I hated myself that much. And so I I had to pray and, and, and God said, see yourself through my eyes because everything I created is perfect and you are perfect in my eyes. And so I said, okay, I can't see myself right through my own eyes. I can see myself through God's eyes. And that's what I began to do. And, and I said, well, I'm going to strive for excellence because God is excellent. So that is the, you know, I started, I sat in class and I started to work on writing my book. And as I began to write my book, I began to look at my childhood through adult eyes and understand things better because I had grew up with the same perception as a child. I never went back to revisit that stuff. Remember I said when we first started talking that time just passes and you kind of get through it and you survive it, but you don't overcome it until you can understand that I'm not stupid. I just didn't have opportunities that other people had. You know, this was my lot. This was my life. But I I can change that. And I had to go back and look at it. Oh, because this person called me a derogatory name doesn't make it so. But I had to go back as an adult and revisit stuff. And that's what my book did for me. Going back and writing my childhood, writing about all the things that I had been through and overcome and, and had seen in life. And I had to go back and see it again as an adult and understand it better. Uh, one of the things that I learned in college is something called the looking glass. Mm-hmm. And I think it's called the looking glass, the looking glass, looking glass. And <clears throat> what it is, is when you're, a, when you're a child, a baby, and you're put in front of a mirror, you don't know you're looking at yourself. A baby does not know that they can't identify themselves. They don't know. They, they identify them, themselves through their caregiver. So if you have a caregiver that's loving, that's kind, that accepts you, that, 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 um, that, that celebrates you and your accomplishments as a kid, you grow up to have very good self-esteem because you're basing everything, how you are, you base your image based on how your caregiver sees you. It's called the looking glass. But if you have the opposite of that, then that's what you're going to grow up with. And I had to understand that just, you know, college and just everything, fate and God, it it really did a lot for me. I I would say going back to school and and writing that book and revisiting a lot of things through adult eyes. And that's how I healed. And that's how I overcame the traumas of my past. 
So I like to bring awareness through my story because there are a lot of people in the world right now, just like me, um, who need to overcome the traumas of their past. And I figured out how to do it. And if I can help them figure it out, then that gives my traumas, that gives my walk purpose. And I believe that all of our walks in life have purpose. Your, your, your story is so powerful. I am so waiting for the day when it hits the big screen because it's going to happen. There's no doubt. It's, Thank it's, you. It's, it's, it's going to happen. You know, one, you. Of the, you. one of the things that's so real about you and it lines up so much to what we're, we're trying to accomplish here is that you're very honest about what's happened in your life. And I believe, like you believe, that most of us, and if not all of us, have some level of brokenness that exists within us. Um, and it's just it's just different for every single person. Um, but the level of trauma that you've encountered and the way you've overcome it and the way you're constantly growing, Nas, as a person, it's got to be something that everyone can take some level of guidance from. One of the things I, I always struggle with sometimes is that when I talk to people, especially people that are in like my age group, when they say, you know what, I don't need to learn anything else. I got all the answers that I need in life. You know, everything's done. I'm, I'm just here at this plateau. I, I, I can't connect with those kind of people because from my view, and this is called sort of what you, you, you shared, is that God has given us this ability to keep learning and to keep growing. And the more we give and the more we learn, the more we can invest in other people. There is no doubt about it. Um, you did share about some people that have been inspirational in your life, some of your college professors. Is there any other people or any people you'd like to cite as having a, such a profound, positive impact on you? You said like a, like a website? Like a person that's had a like a positive oh, a yeah that's had a positive oh, effect so and impact. Oh, so many people! Oh my goodness! Give us give so us a couple of people. give us a couple of those people. Um, one person that's not here with me was my grandfather. My grandfather, um, aside from Jesus and God, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my grandfather is one of the best men that I've ever known in my entire life. I don't think I'll ever know anybody as great as my grandfather. He was just the most wonderful, wonderful man that just loved me unconditionally, uh, spent a, a, a lot of time with me, showed me an abundance of love. Uh, if it wasn't for him, I don't know who I would have turned out to be. Now, I was a street kid, don't granted. Uh, you know, and I did have a rough way in life, but he just kind of gave me that balance. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I might, maybe I would have been in jail. Maybe I would have been for, for God knows what, but my grandfather is, uh, one of the most, one of the greatest men that just inspired me in my life that I've, that I've ever known. Um, my little sister, Shakia, I talk with her constantly every day. She calls me. And if we don't talk every day, we text, and she's just an inspiration to me. I, I love her tremendously. She's young. She's in her late 20s, but you would think she was in her 60s. <laughs> <laughs> the way she speaks, she's just, she has so much wisdom and um, talent and, and drive and, 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 and passion. 
and compassion. So she inspires me. Uh, people like you and um, and Jason Lauda. Oh my God, Jason Lauda is another guy who's just always so. Much. Every time I see him, it's just love. He just gives so much love. Is an overpour. Um, so much so that I, I sat down with him one day and I said, uh, Jason, <laughs> how do you do it? <laughs> what is it? What's the secret? And he told me, he said, I had to fall in love with myself and so much so we could be an overflow for others. Yeah. And that was really, 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 really deep. So I'm just inspired um, by, I'm inspired by amazing writers. I have so many amazing writers in my life uh, that that love the art. I'm inspired by them. I'm inspired by other filmmakers. And they. I love passion. I love to see people be passionate about their craft and what they love. Um, I'm inspired by people who have genuine, genuine goodness in them. Uh, you, you know, uh, I, that's what I love. I love good people. And those are good Yeah, I love people who have genuinely, genuine genuine good heart they have a good heart they have good in them that inspires me because there's so much ugliness in this world there's so much hatred in this world there's so many people trying to tear one another down that when i that when i meet the genuine good people that inspires me because that lets me know okay i can keep going there's more folks out here like myself yeah, I yeah, that is so Because I'm genuine. Yeah. yeah, what you see is what you get. I'm very genuine and I love that. And I let you okay, you know what? There are other people out here that that love other people that love um one that can love one another, that can help someone, that have a genuinely good heart. Um so that that is that those are the those are the people who um who inspire me. There's so many. I mean it's hard to, I don't want to start naming because if I leave someone out and they don't feel a certain way. But you know, it's just <laughs> yeah, I, it's, uh, I get inspired every day. Just like I said, just by sometimes I'm on, on, on the website, I'm on social media and I see something that someone did that was good for someone else. Like I got inspired by the baby, the rap of the baby. I, I really did because there was a young girl who was waiting in her car for I think for three hours or I don't know if it was three hours or 15 hours, but she waited a long time with her little baby uh, to see the baby. She had some stuff that she had made, some little hats and scarves that she had knitted together, crocheted or what have you. And she waited for him. The, and the he baby just went on ahead. The baby is a new rapper. Is that who that is? He's a new rapper. You know, so many, but he's a new rapper. He's okay. called the baby, and he's he has his he has a genuine. I'm not saying he don't have his ways. I don't know any of his personal ways. I just know from what I see, he has a genuinely good heart. So he blessed this young lady and gave. She was a single mom with her baby living out of her car. And he just, he, he gave her money and brought all of her merchandise. And I thought that was really awesome. good. I also see him pull over, like, they, you know, I'll be on social media. He pulled over and these kids was like selling Boy Scout stuff. And he just bought all the Boy Scout candy. You know, just stuff like that that people don't have to do for the average people. I see so many people, they make it. And once they make it, they literally, I've seen people turn their nose up, you know, like look down on people. And I don't really... Not that I don't respect those people, but I, I can't get with it because I was a street kid. I guess that's why it touches me, you know, being a single parent, being a street kid, knowing it, what it is to be hungry, knowing what it is to have to hustle. At eight years old, I was going to the grocery store and I was packing bags 
for, for quarters, nickels and dimes so I could feed my sisters and stuff. So I know what that is for somebody to, to just help you, you know, see you struggling and see you trying and help you. So I respect people like that, you know, uh, period. Uh, so th- those are the people that um, that inspired me because I know there's still people out here with a good heart that's helping people and not looking down on people. I don't respect people who look down on other people. That's you cool. know, just because you made it, you want to look down on somebody else. Or just because you have a lot, you think you're better than someone else. I don't respect those people. But the ones who um, who understand that everybody's walking life is different and some people do need a hand or help, yeah, I love those people and respect them. So with uh, with, with right. Evergreen, what I'm... Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, tell us. Evergreen, I I know our time is is coming up. It's coming close to an end, so I wanted to add. I am in the process of trying to create a television series for Evergreen. It is very difficult for me because I've kind of been in a rut where I've been kind of sitting around waiting for people to, I guess, uh, fall out the sky. <laughs> just appear out of nowhere <laughs> and say, Hey, guys, let's do this for you. Let me help you with this. So I just been kind of sit back like, I'm a writer. You know, I don't put together show Bibles and pitch decks and all that stuff. You know, yeah. I just, I write. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I'm taking things to the next level now. And uh, I'm excited. Just finished the show Bible, my first one, my first series Bible. Uh, I'm really proud of it, and I'm in the process of of trying to now pursue my goals. I've been so throughout the years, I've been helping so many people, and I've been putting my passions in the back burner. And I feel like doing that is a sign of not having self love. Not you have you you know pushing my passions to the back to do to take care of everybody else. So now I'm finally focusing on my passion. I've been talking about Evergreen uh, for so long, for years now, and now we're in a new decade, and it's just time to take it to the next level. Well, I believe this. I believe that, you know, that when we do, your life, your your story, what you shared with us is such a devotion to service. Um, I believe that we create currency and we create wealth when we help people. The challenge is, is that sometimes we don't see the wealth come back to us directly, right? It's not like a, I give you five dollars and you give me ten. It doesn't happen like that. But what it does do is it creates this energy, Nas, and you, everything you've shared today is a testament to that energy. That now that you're at this point, everything that you wish to get accomplished is going to get accomplished. You've created a bank of wealth. You can't. It's, it's not. In, it's not numbers in your bank account per se at this point, but it's so powerful. It's such an energy that you will attract people um, to get in and to really, really support what you're doing. You created the bank. You got lot. You deposited so much in people's thing that they, a lot of them are gonna say, you know, what? it's time for me to to um to pay it forward and to help Nas with getting what she needs to get done. I'm one of those people, and so I think. It's so phenomenal to have you here. So let let me ask you this as we get close to the end. And first, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you this, and this is like a yes or no answer. I would love to have you on the podcast again for you to tell people what's happening with you here in the future. So that's the yes or no 
question. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I would be honored. Thank you. I would be honored. Yes. Thank you. Ben, it's great. So if somebody wants to reach out to you or connect with you, what's the, how do you, how do they do that? Oh, it's very easy. So you can reach out to me, nazpanky at gmail.com. Everything is my name, nazpanky, N-A-Z-P-A-N-K-E-Y at gmail.com. I'm on Instagram as nazpanky. I am on Facebook as nazpanky. So you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, nazpanky. And just reach out to me, send me um, DM me, send me a message, uh, and that's the best way to reach out to me. Also, I have relaunched my book, Evergreen Uprooted, Memoir the Secret, and um, if, if you, you can, you can um, purchase it on Amazon and in the Kindle edition, and all the money that I make, I am going to be putting that towards filming the first episode of the series um, Evergreen. I'll, I, so that's a fun. That's a way for me to raise funds. This is start, Winston. No, <laughs> it's, it's, start. A, it's a beautiful start. It's a beautiful thank start. You, thank you. Thank you. And as you know, my background is not in marketing, branding, or anything else like that. But like I said, I've been kind of waiting for uh, uh, people to just like you know <laughs> fall out the sky and say yeah. I'm going to help. And I'm like, okay, I got to do this thing. We're in a new decade and. I just got to do it and, and learn along the way. So I am selling my book. It's called Evergreen Uprooted, Memoirs of Secret. Uh, it, I'm told it's a page turner. It is about my childhood growing up in the South Bronx, struggling to survive. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in there. There's a lot of stuff that I've seen that I've overcome. Um, the most thing that I can say about the book is that when people read it, they are inspired. And that is what I wanted to do. Um, people are inspired. They understand that all things are possible, that you can go through. Having your mother offer you a smoke crack at nine years old, being sexually abused by the time you're 11, going to foster care, being abused by family members, um, fighting your way through, being in crack houses, being, you know, you could go through so much stuff and make it and make it out in your right mind because I'm right here and I'm in my right mind. I haven't had a nervous breakdown yet. Knock on wood. Wow. Not yet. <laughs> let's see. Let's see. You try to put this whole, uh, television production together. That's not going to happen. That's just, that's just going to make okay. you stronger. That's all. That's going to make right, you... Yeah. That's all that's going to happen. You're gonna be, you're gonna, and you're already strong. It's going to make you even more. You. People going to be like, all right. Thank you. That is phenomenal. So someone's listening to you and I today and they, they're they saying to themselves, I love what Nas is saying. Um, I'm dealing with something similar. I'm dealing with something in my life and I know creativity is one way, one way to help me get through it. What's one bit of advice you'd give to that person? Uh, one bit of advice that I would give to you is to get up. Uh, get up, whatever, whatever situation, whatever you find yourself in, get up. Sometimes it's so hard and I understand it's hard to get out the bed. Um, but get up, pray, uh, meditate, uh, fill yourself, find what inspires you and run to it. If that is sitting outside and, and watching the sunset or watching the sunrise, uh, if it's going for a walk, if it's just sitting down and having a cup of tea and yes, bread, white bread, whatever it is that's going to inspire you to get up, I say get up. 
um, that's the first thing you have to do and move. You have to keep moving no matter what and pray. And then the second advice is to be around, watch your environment and the people that you're around and the things that you take into your mind and your body and your spirit. Just watch that, especially during times when it's tough or you're going through something difficult. And my third advice is run to love. Whatever it is, whoever it is that loves you, cling to that. Cling to those people that love you. Cling to that one thing. And sometimes you walk this earth and you feel like no one loves you. Just know that God loves you and cling to that. Know that the universe, the earth that we live in, loves you and cling to that but just cling to love and that is the advice that's that's what i can say wow. um, find somewhere to go find some place to talk find someone to talk to find some people who are going through the same thing there's something i had to go through to domestic violence group meetings and talk and it helped me to, to see other women were going through the same things that i had been through uh so yeah that's that's the main thing and you know what uh, and, and also, don't walk in shame. You know, I recently got divorced a couple of years ago, and I was ashamed of that. I was really ashamed. I'm not ashamed anymore. Don't don't walk in shame. Hold mm-hmm. your head up high and uh, understand that nobody on this earth is perfect except for God. And so uh, understand that, that nobody, that no one is perfect. We all make mistakes. We all make bad choices. Sometimes we make them over and over and does it make you stupid? Does it make you crazy? It just it's just a bad choice. It's, it's a bad decision and it's a consequence that you might find yourself in for making a bad decision. But it doesn't mean you have to stay there. Get yeah. up, yeah. yourself and keep moving. Wow, That's I tell you that, that is is that is great. You know, I heard from recently I think it was a pastor about direction determines destination. And so what you shared about getting up and just going to do the next step is everyone who's listening, just take that step. And you mentioned about how the things you've got to learn to, you know, to get the television production. This is so awesome. And and I, I know you feel the same way, is that your capacity grows when you have to take these little steps to learn things. You learn a lot about not just about how to get something done, but about yourself, like who you are and. Who can you be around and all these kind of things? This is such a this is such a great conversation. And I tell you, creating the podcast about a year or so ago, when I created it and I got this great board together, we talked about what that would look like in the future and why we did it. And I have to admit to the audience here is that as we've gotten into year two, even the way I believe about Know, the creatives that exist and about how God has given us this ability to create, it's growing and it's changing because every single person we talk to, like yourself, Nas, is just enriching our community, enriching people all across this world. We're having people listen to this podcast all over the planet now. You know, People who don't know you and I, they probably have never seen our faces, but they are listening to this message and they know that despite whatever else is going on in the world, that they can solve their challenges or they can at least take a step by figuring out what they can do to create some beauty on this earth. Yes. 
create a little bit of beauty on this earth every little day. So Nas, it's been awesome to have you. You're coming back again. I got you down. You're gonna <laughs> you're gonna be part of <laughs> you're gonna be part of the creativity cocktail powered by Rising Tide's charity community. You are down with the team. And so it's <laughs> I am looking forward. I'm looking forward. And you know, Winston, I'm really proud of you and what you're doing for the community. I'm so proud of you. Uh, I know that you are phenomenal. You're just an awesome person, giving, loving guy, and um, just a just a great role model for our community, really. And I'm so so proud of what you're doing with this podcast. Like I said, uh, we, when we first got on on the phone together. Thank you for giving me a platform. Thank you for giving me a voice. And I do hope that people are tuning in. And I do pray that uh, that what we talked about will help. If it just helps one person, then we've done, you know, we've done our, 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 I would say our good, our good work. That's right. <laughs> we've done our good work, you know, and so I hope that this uh, will touch people and inspire them and encourage them. Get up, keep moving. We can do anything. That is great. Thanks again, Nas Panky, everybody out there at the Creativity Cocktail Podcast. Please share this podcast. Um, subscribe to it. You know, make sure that you give us any comments so we can get your feedback and continue to grow. Our organization is doing amazing things this year. You know, look for look for our message on the forum. The audio book, which will include Nas, will be out at the end of this year as we get to our goal of having a great deal of creatives be part of the podcast. Uh, our mission trip is still on schedule and we've got some new exciting things. So you've got to go to risingtidescharity.org and hear more about that. And go to our Creativity Cocktail on Instagram, and you'll find us on Facebook and everywhere else. Again, thank you so much, Nas. We will talk to you soon. Thank you. Have a blessed day.